Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm very glad you're with us today. You know, as those who have been sharing my journey for a while have, I think, come to figure out, for us to be learning in detail what happens at and after death is really just the beginning of so many joyous discoveries. Once you really get the fact that your mind is eternal, you never begin and you never will end, then naturally you want to know a whole lot more about who you are, where you are, and much more precisely how your life goes on. And then eventually, sooner or later, you want to know how to make the most right now of your own eternal life. So your search turns inevitably to what we think of as spiritual matters. And here's where we can encounter a problem. We still think of religions as how we can best tend our minds spiritually. But in fact, the very essence of spiritual development consists in moving away from fear and toward more perfect love and thereby raising our spiritual vibrations. But So many religions are by their nature fear-based. It's the easiest way to run a religion because, after all, the easiest way to fill the pews is to make people afraid of not showing up. But that lowers our consciousness vibrations. It's actually a very bad thing. And that's why we have spent a lot of time on secret reality trying to better understand what are some of the best ways to raise our own personal consciousness vibrations away from fear and toward ever more perfect love. Our guest today is a longtime clergyman who served as a bishop for 32 years in Lancaster, California. Dr. Caleb Kenja has also served as a hospice chaplain. He's been a Protestant chaplain at the Antelope Valley Hospital in Lancaster, California. He's a senior, has been a senior Protestant chaplain for the Los Angeles County Probation Department and an assistant to the chaplain in the California state prison system and drug rehab facilities. Wow, what a resume. Dr. Kendra is an author of eight books, including his new book out this year, which is entitled Journey to Spiritual Freedom, Liberation from the Hidden Chains of European Christianity. And you know, of course, that perks my ears right away. Dr. Kendra intends his work in his new book, especially for those that he calls Nubian Melaninites people of color but in fact it could help us all and he's been doing the same sort of loving deconstruction of christianity that i've been doing and has reached many of the same conclusions which is wonderful kaylin welcome i'm so glad you're with us today i'm so glad to be with you today roberta we're going to have fun with this. The thing, the thing is that that I think some of the things I say may surprise you, but just you know, f- follow along with me because um, it all got, gets to a wonderful place. Let's begin by talking about how you got to where you are. What what led you when you were a child and, and a young person to question the Christianity of your youth? And you're a minister, for heaven's sake. Well, I uh, I've always been in search of the truth and. And uh, and within me, for many, many years, I would always hear, this is not it. This ain't it. <laughs> this ain't more. It. So, yeah, so it just kept me studying and reaching and looking and searching. And and uh, that's how I got on this journey. Um, 
I mean, Christianity, you know, I was on drugs and I was I, I was out there doing my thing, but uh, going into getting into the church actually helped me change my life. So I don't knock it. I don't like people to think that I'm I'm against it because it helped me. But uh, I knew it was more to the truth than what I had because within me, the voice wouldn't go away. So I just I was on a constant search for more and more and. I started venturing into science, and and uh, I got into some of Deepak Chopra's work, and and I started that's that's how I got involved in science, and I started learning about quantum physics, and I brought <laughs> these things to the church. Yeah, and the church I did too. Have, yeah, the, <laughs> and the church was trying to figure out what is he talking to us about science for, and so I learned how to bridge all that together uh, and show them. And I always quoted what Einstein said, you know, uh, a science without religion is blind uh, or, or lame, rather, and religion without science is, uh, is uh, blind. Yes. And so ever that just well, it was a quote that I just held on to. And so uh, they taught me that we needed both of them. We needed science and we needed spirituality more so than religion. And uh, the two never were separated until... We start getting a lot of falsehoods and a lot of other things to push us away from science because science is to know, of course. And uh, and I just really believe, uh, based on my research, there were some things that we were not supposed to know. You thought there were things we were not supposed to know? Yes. Like, for example, what? I mean, if you can give me an example. Uh, example would be... Uh, that there were more than one one person on this earth uh, when we got the Genesis story. Oh, okay. To believe, yeah. Okay, they I totally us, get it. They wanted, yeah, they wanted us to believe that there was only one man, one woman. Yeah. And, uh, of course, in my research, I found out that was far from the truth. Absolutely not right. And it didn't start 6,000 yeah. years ago either. No, there's a section right. in your book about this, which I, I thought was great. Okay, uh-huh. so... Your dedication is, and, and the, the focus and thrust of the book is for, for a certain group of people. You say, this book is dedicated to all those who are in the worst holocaust of the, wor- the world has ever experienced of my African people. To those who are the children left to tell the true story and resurrect us to the Ankh, life and not death as portrayed on the Roman cross. That's important because what you what you talk about is the kind of spirituality that existed in Egypt, in other parts of Africa long before um, there ever was the diaspora that slavery caused. Um, and, and then as the diaspora happened, the people were being taught this, as you put it, Greco-Roman Christianity. Well, the Greco-Roman Christianity is what I'm fighting too. I, I want the Christianity of Jesus. So, what we're really yeah. we're really on parallel journeys, and so I love seeing where they our journeys have converged and where they've separated. But mm-hmm. you also say that you're trying to help people of color and not just black people. Because there are many right. red, brown, yellow people who don't realize that they too are caught in this web of religious deception. And I would just add that there are a whole lot of people who are melanin deficient who are in that same position. I, I think all people 
have the same problem, which is that they've been taught things which, as you say, are not true. And there's been a, a real effort on the part of their of religions and not just Christianity to hide from us what we really could discover if we dared to look behind the, the religious facade. Don't you think that's true? I believe it's very true. Matter of fact, you, you are reminding me of something when you said, don't forget about us. When I yeah. the book, and, I, and I thought about it after you said it. I said, well, I wasn't really trying to forget about anybody, but, uh, but, but you're absolutely right. The, the masses, and I, I mentioned that in, uh, in the uh, back of my book, the uh, about the masses of people that have been uh, uh, deceived into believing a certain story that's not true. So, so yeah, I did, I just didn't include that. I didn't say white or anything like that, but uh, I was really reaching out to a certain demographic, and the reason why is because being a bishop in the church for 32 years. My congregation was always predominantly uh, African American people. I had a, I had my first, my first members were uh, four families of white people, thirty two years back. They wow. they they came to my church. They supported my church. They supported me, and then my message started changing. They knew they they loved me and I loved them, but it was hard to sit with me when I started saying certain things, and uh, I understood it. So it wasn't no love loss, but the message changed, and I uh, started changing slightly. And uh, I even had a, a, a Japanese lady and a, a German man that were married that was in my ministry for a while. It was in my church for a good while, not long ago. Matter of fact, we still friends. We still stay in touch. We still communicate um uh, over uh, Facebook or uh, social media. So it wasn't no love love, but they, she told me, uh, look, Bishop, I know you have to reach your people. That's your, that's what you call to do and bring them the truth. And, uh, and she said, it's just hard for me and her husband, you know, to, uh, you know, to sit like that. And because they felt a little excluded but they know that I love them and I wasn't trying to exclude them because I did a lot to help one of their daughters. And, you know, people knew I wasn't um, prejudiced or racist or against them. And that's the, that's the, uh, one of the lies that uh, has gotten started back uh, many years ago that if you love your own, you hate everybody else, which is the farthest thing from the truth. Yes. When, you look at other, uh, when you look at other cultures, you know, I, I, uh, I tell uh, my my ministry when I was there that uh, that Chinese, that Japanese, those people from those different cultures, they're not going to school and get educated to help us. They're going to school and get educated to help their group. You know, and I, so I, when we start... It's understandable yeah. that there would be a lot of anger among African-Americans. Yeah, There's no question yeah. about that. Um, I, yeah. what, what my hope is though, is, is because there is what's being said now about how deep quote racism, racism is in the United States is just stupid. There is, I've been doing, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'm older than you are. I've lived here my whole life and I've got to say it just isn't true, but there are reasons why 
that we have had this separation and we can address those reasons. And um, I wrote a book. I don't know if you know my history, but I wrote a book with a dear friend. We did the research to figure it all out. And we wrote a book called The Fun of Living Together. And the subtitle is... I have a sitting right here. Okay, well, then you know. I have a sitting right here. Tell everyone else. I've read in Jesus. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. That's wonderful of you. Well, just to finish the thought for everyone else, the subtitle is We Must Learn to Live Together as Brothers or Perish Together as Fools. And that's a quote from the greatest man of the 20th century, greatest American, I guess I can't claim the world, the greatest American of the 20th century, who was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he was right. Mm -hmm. And it's time for us now as Americans to claim that better future because we easily can live together. Um, I, I, I want to go right back to your book, but now is probably a good place to just mention some facts. We're coming to understand now as a people that there is a, we are a lot closer. And this is something that previous generations didn't know. But National Geographic has d- did a recent, I recommend that people read it, a re- recent article which basically said, look, there's one human race. You can't even separate us by an inch. And that's especially true of of yeah. Western Europeans, the very people who settled the the, uh, the United States at the start, and East Africans, we are actually the same people. They've been they've started to sequence DNA of of the earliest uh, Western Europeans, and they've found they had dark skin. A lot of them had blue eyes for some reason. That yeah. that was passed around pretty quickly, but they didn't they didn't lose the melanin in their skin until. Less than 5,000 years ago, we are actually all literally brothers. And knowing yeah. that, well, let's just start acting like brothers. As Dr. King said, it's, it's so important that we do that. And that's one reason I was excited to talk to you because clearly, um, you know, we've talked, clearly you are a kindred spirit in a lot of the things, the work that, that I've been doing. But it, you've been doing it from a different position, and I just love the fact that we can come together. This is yeah. what this is what you said about um, a core Christian dogma, and I loved this. You said that what 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 you call the Greco-Roman change in Christianity did. What it did was to turn the man Jesus into a scapegoat, and all who received mm-hmm. him uh, it, as their scapegoat could put their so-called sins on him. He's their scapegoat, and and as. Uh, <laughs> But that doesn't do, as you point out, it doesn't do anyone for the anything for the person who's shedding his sins and and putting those sins onto the scapegoat. It doesn't help the rest of us, and and it, yeah. we don't have then to do any work on what we need to change in ourselves. He said this. You you say this European version of Jesus is is deficient. Quite apart from, and I never thought about this, but quite apart from anything I've ever said about how they got, how the Europeans got Jesus wrong, that's a very basic way to 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 feel that we can feel all better because we piled our sins on Jesus doesn't really help us, does it? Not one bit. If we that uh, what we've been taught removes us totally away from being responsible for our own lives, and uh, this, of course, was part of the deception to be dependent upon other people and to be dependent upon the God that they gave, uh, that they wanted the masses to look to. And so, yeah, that was part of the problem. And, you know, you said something very interesting. 
that I've learned uh, years ago that we should all be able to live together. We should be able to uh, love each other. But the problem is you cannot legislate laws to change a man's heart. No, you can't. And, uh, this ra- yeah, and this racism is, is, is generational racism. And I read a book entitled, I'm sure you know this author uh, 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 on radical forgiveness. And he said something very interesting about uh, uh, white people uh, have generational uh, guilt that they haven't dealt with, repressed uh, guilt they haven't dealt with, and black people have uh, generational anger and rage that they've never dealt with, and it can pass down uh, to uh, other generations. It can pass down from your grandparents, from your parents, and it just has never been dealt with. And so I learned a lot from your books, especially for uh, Liberating Jesus, when you talked about forgiveness. And uh, I learned a whole nother level of what forgiveness was really all about. And I was talking to my wife, uh, Rivera, and I said, I don't know how I would be able to help uh, black people understand the importance of forgiveness because of the history that we have. And so my wife said something that I thought was very powerful. She said, well, you may not be able to uh, forgive an individual, but we need to be able to let things go and learn to love humanity. I, I think that we can learn to forgive just about anything as long as we come together yeah. as equal people. But oh, right. here's, my, here's my situation. My situation is I grew uh-huh. up, um, I, all of my ancestors came here from Denmark in the early part of the 20th century. Um, uh-huh. I grew up at, uh, with, without privilege in a small town, and I never even met a person with darker skin of any other race than, than this bland vanilla version until I went to college. And I don't know that I, I, I had, I made friends, started making friends with them then because they were like the most interesting, wonderful people I met. I don't yeah. know that I really have a, a sense of guilt over this. I have a sense of frustration, which is extreme yeah. because we shouldn't be living like this. We don't have to. Right. And and figuring yeah. out that we are all the same. Ident- there's, there's a lot of genetic variation inside Africa, it turns out, but almost none between East Africans and, and the people who settled Europe. It just was too recent. Um, for us to have diverged at all, except that one guy, this is so funny, one guy about 10,000 years ago in the group that were waiting, the, the Ice Age hadn't ended yet, they were waiting to get into Europe, um, and one guy on the edge of the glacier had this mutation that put no pigment in his eyes, and for some reason, all the people around him thought that was the sexiest thing they ever saw, and blue eyes mm. spread all through these people. So a lot of the of the the skeletons now that where the DNA has been preserved have dark skin but blue eyes. It's a strange it's uh-huh. a strange detail, but yeah. we're starting to know this how how we really are the same. So I say we just come together, you and I, and a multitude of other people, and we say that's it. We're done with all the rest. What we're going to do no. now is be one people, which is what we've been all along. It's all been a it's all been a tragic misunderstanding. What you're doing is wonderful because you are reaching out to people who may not understand 
that the old days are really gone. One of the things in the book that I that I mentioned and that you have, um, I talk about the, what I think is the reason why we've had such a, a lingering problem, and that's that we never did an emancipation. We just did three generations of slavery. It's time to do an emancipation. It's time to give the kind of education to the children that they deserve, that is their birthright right. as Americans. And we'll find if we do that for one generation, I don't think we're going to have any racial problems ever again, ever in history. So that's what, I don't know, that's what I hope we'll do. But now I want to go back to your book because that's what we're supposed to be talking about. Another, another of the things that you talk about is the fact that Paul... The, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the Christian Bible, actually, um, was um, or the New, New Testament portion of it, was actually a Roman, uh, a, a member of the Roman elite. Talk about that. Yeah, well, a lot of people that, uh, as a matter of fact, in the church, especially in the African-American church, uh, a, a whole lot more of what Paul said is quoted than what Jesus said. That's why I love your book, Liberating Jesus, because if we supposed to be, if Jesus is our Savior and Messiah, as they say in the church, then why are we quoting all this stuff by Paul? Right. And most people don't understand. Yeah, and most people don't understand who who Paul was, and so I was. That's what I was dealing with when I had when I was talking about Paul. I wanted people to understand if we're going to do this thing. We need to be following the principles taught yes. by the true Savior and Messiah and not be listening to what another man said in letters that he was writing. Those were letters Paul was writing to a yeah. specific group. Right. You know, and that's, so that's right. a lot of people don't understand that. And so uh, so I'm one that believe in those principles that we see uh, in the in the Bible that uh, Jesus was teaching. Those are the same principles that you would find in uh, African spirituality, showing you that that uh, principles are connected to many other religions, and there's just not one particular religion that certain principles are connected to, like you know doing to others as you would have them doing to you. That you can find that in Buddhism and other religions. Yes, that's you know? right. And so, so when it's a, when it's a true principle you can find it in other places. And so we've been taught that the Bible was the only place you need to go. Don't read no other books. Don't look outside, nothing else. And I just, that didn't never sit right with me because uh, the Bible says, ask and you will find, uh, seek and, uh, uh, you know, and the, door, and, and the doors will be a knock and the door will be open. So I never could understand when uh, the Messiah said, ask, seek, knock, and you telling me don't ask no questions. Or it shows yeah, that I don't right. have faith, you know. Right. So I was always uh, that type of person to reach out and to look for other knowledge that was a truth that I could gravitate to. And that's what got me so fired up about science. When I started studying, I said, wow, quantum physics. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 you know, the law, the, 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 uh, the, the, the science of possibilities and you know, then, uh, of course, uh, Jesus said in the Bible that uh, all things are possible to them that believe, you know. And and so I was able to start uh, seeing how the truth in science was uh, relevant and the same as the truth 
that was spoken out of the mouth of, of Jesus in the Bible. So I said, wait a minute, hold up. There's a lot more to this than what I, I've only scratched the surface of this. And so that's what made me start searching. I had a, had a wonderful teacher. Uh, he's from Liberia, and he lives in um, Florida now. But uh, he grew up knowing these truths. And, and in the book, I don't know if you read it yet, Roberta, but I quote uh, Alexander of Hippo, one of the uh, leaders of the Catholic Church, and who was raised up in Africa. And he said that there was a Christianity before uh, the European yeah. Christ. Yeah. He, was, he was the first one recorded as saying that. So, so if there was a Christianity before Christ, what is this what you guys gave up? So that's <laughs> I didn't do it. Don't blame it on me. <laughs> <laughs> talk about what the spirituality was. It, there must have been many different versions of spirituality on. on it's a, a huge continent. What, what, what did? What did? I mean, one of them, for example, obviously we're all aware of is is the um, Egyptian spirituality, which strongly uh, uh, emphasizes uh, eternal life. But what, what what are some of the insights that you get when you study the various kinds of, of African spirituality pre-Christianity? One of the main things that I discovered was the original true spirituality in the earth was based in oneness, one universe, uh, yeah. uh, one earth, and one human race of people. It was on oneness, and then, of course, that 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 truth matches the truth that we hear Jesus in the Scripture saying, I yes. and my Father are one. Yes. That was the foundation of the teaching, Yep, that we were to be one with the universe, and one with the, uh, uh, nature, and one with each other. That was the foundation of spirituality uh, as far back as, uh, you know, the studies that I went to with spiritual, uh, uh, spirituality uh, in the beginning of all of this. So that was a very powerful thing when I learned that, that it was all about oneness. Yes. You know, and the word, that the word that's used is, atone, is atonement, which is simply at one man. Yes. Uh, at one is yeah. yeah. So, so you know, it. Uh, I just started studying a lot of things, and I never, I never, all my life, I could not hate. All my life, it was just impossible for me to hate. Everybody that gave me a leg up in life always was somebody white. Uh, I built four. I built a church for four and a half million dollars, and it was white people that gave me that money. You know, and uh, when I would go to jail, when I was doing that in that life. I would always connect to somebody white and we would become really close friends. And my best friend growing up was a Mexican named uh, Ricky, you know? And so I just, I just have always uh, gravitated to others. I love myself. I love my people, but I don't hate nobody. No, you know? and that's, 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 the, that's, that's the thing that people have to know. Yeah. So, so, so but did, did you, one of the things you've done is to work with people who are in prison, who are, um, uh, you know, in drug rehab and all of that. What, what, what have you learned from them, or how, or from working with them that that we? It's important that we know. Well, uh, being in that life and seeing all my friends, I think when I got out of that life, uh, that's what sent me back to that life because I. Uh, 
Um, I saw my friends getting in, going in the prison, getting out of prison, going in and out of prison. Oh yeah. And they didn't, and, and their lives wasn't changing, and uh, and mine changed, and so I was uh, doing my best to let them know that you can change, you can come out of this. And I wasn't trying to be really religious with them. I just wanted them to know, man. Y'all know me, man. I, I was shooting dope in my arms and drinking and doing everything y'all was doing. And I can't I believe that of my you. Life, I can't believe yeah, you. My, my wife can't either. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's been such a transformation with me. But I used to tell them, I said, you guys know I was right there. I was sitting on the same stoop with you, passing the bottle, drinking. So oh, if it my. can happen for me, it can happen for you. And so uh, that's what sent me back in those places. And based on experiences in and out of these jails, I was fortunate enough not to ever go to prison, but I spent a lot of time in juvenile hall. I was just known there. I would come into juvenile hall and the counselors knew me and uh, they wouldn't even make me go to school. They let me hang out with them. And that's how well I was uh, known in juvenile hall. Because they were always wondering, why are you in here? You know, and uh, but I was just just terrible outside. But I, well, I could know I knew how to conform when I got in those institutions, and I could do everything correctly there, but I couldn't do everything right when I got out of there. So it was amazing uh, how things happened like that. <laughs> wow, what if the what if the that's a that's a problem in that community is the is the lack of fathers which I, yes. I've studied. It's very, very, very upsetting to me. And the most yeah. important thing this nation can do is to make it possible for fathers to parent their children, especially in the black community, because right. the, the, the loss of the father, one in, one in nine um, um, black children has a father currently in prison. And many others, most literally most, I think more than half of them have a parent who has the disabilities of someone who has once been in prison. You lose all your rights. You lose so much of the possibilities of having a good life just from, because you went to prison when young. So have you thoughts about, because to me, this is the most important thing this country has to face. We fixed this and we fixed most of the problems, certainly the racial problems, but other problems too. What, have you, what, what do you think from your experience we need to do? Uh, first of all, I, uh, I did a lot of teaching on people learning how to empower themselves. Right. That's the first thing that needs to be done. You well, got to do something with yourself. Yeah, you gotta do something with yourself. And once you change, uh, once a person changes their energy, their vibration, they will no longer be treated the way they were treated prior to that change. That's my true belief about that. Once you change, everything else has to change. When you change, people change. When you change. Uh, the environment will change, but it has to start with the individual to change, do some working on themselves. And then as we work on ourselves individually, then we'll be able to come together corporately and get something done. But until we deal with ourselves, we divide it with our, within ourselves. The mind is saying one thing, spirit is saying something else, and the body is craving something else. <laughs> right. You know, until yeah. We can, <laughs> Until we can bring ourselves together, the individual, 
uh, we're not going to be able to get nothing accomplished. And that's going to, first of all, help with the division uh, with other races. And it's also going to help with ourselves as black Americans. You know, we got to work on ourselves and not expect anybody else to change. We The only change that needs to take place is with us individually. And then we can what we do within ourselves, we'll start seeing outside of ourselves because it's first within, then without. This is a a quote from your book. We must learn that freedom is not the absence of law, work, or labor, but the embracing of responsibility. We must awaken to the reality that true freedom imposes more laws than slavery, demands more work than slavery, demands more self-control and discipline than slavery ever would have done. The foundations of true freedom are management, self-management, and management of our environment. Therefore, freedom is a return to the responsibility of stewardship. That's so true, and too few people say it. And it doesn't matter what anyone's skin shade is. That's true for all of us. All of us need, and that's the real problem of having no fathers. You know, they actually have done studies that show that once the child is weaned, that's pretty young, the father is the more important parent in terms of what children are learning in order to live their lives. Mothers are nurturers. Fathers are teachers. So we've taken the fathers away from so many of these young children, and there's not someone to teach them this basic information, which is in your book. That's yeah. the tra- that's the tragedy. That's the problem. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm very that, worked that, up yeah, about this. Yeah. <laughs> it's very yeah, important to me to fix it. That's all right. That's all right. And uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I was fortunate enough to be with my children uh, uh, as a as a father right there with them, teaching them, and I did that just that. I taught them, and and uh, but you know. Uh, we still have issues on the other side as well. We need to work on ourselves, but there's still issues. You know, there are a lot of uh, black Americans that have been in prison. And, you know, from time to time, we see some of these uh, students, attorneys help get them out because they've been in prison for 20 years, 25 oh, years, yes. you yes. know? And so, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that we are, everybody that's uh, in prison is innocent. What I am saying is we have to look at that factor too. There's a lot that works against us. You know, when yes. I was growing up, there was a train parked right in the middle of Watts. That was where I grew up in. There was a train just sitting on the tracks that was full of guns. How did it get there? We we didn't pull the train there, you know, and so, you know, and we don't manufacture cocaine and drugs. We don't we don't no. manufacture that stuff. But we gotta start we gotta work on ourselves so we don't use what's being put in in the neighborhoods and given to us. But when you're down, when you're not working, nobody wanna hire you, yeah. uh, especially if you've been in trouble and gotten out of trouble, you know, you can't get a job and so you start trying to find a way to numb yourself. You know, I was a straight A student in school, but when I when I stopped going to school and uh, got to a certain age and didn't quite know what to do with myself, I started using drugs and alcohol too. And I, I know today that I was attempting to hide from myself. I was trying to get away from myself because I felt like I had, was a failure. And so a lot of times you turn to these kind of substances because you're really trying to forget 
and you're trying to numb uh, what's really going on with you, and there's no other way to finally do that. So, you know, I have friends today that just goes in and out of prison. I'm 68. They're right here with me. And they go in and out of prison. I had a son that was down in the, uh, in the neighborhood who uh, the gang that was in there, down there in that neighborhood made him join. And when I say made him join, it made him pick up a gun to protect himself because he was going to school. And they told him, uh, either you're going to join uh, the high school that was close by and the intermediate school that he was going to, they oh, were going to jump Lord. on him. And so, the, and so the next day, he took his uncle's uh, gun, 357 Magnum. It wasn't loaded. But when he, showed, when he showed them that gun and they got away from him, he saw the power in carrying that. And so he started carrying it. He went to uh, one of the probation camps to do a little time for it. But he saw what that would bring him. And as he got older, he stayed in that foolishness. And uh, and not did he just join, but he became a leader in it. And uh, shot somebody, wound up doing almost 18 oh, years. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. That is terrible. So Wait, There's so much good work to, to be do. done, though. Yeah, I know. Right. No, it's, it's, it's the environment which is not the responsibility yes. or the fault of the people who end up there. I mean, people who can move out of those environments do, but a lot of people just don't have the ability to do that. Um, there's, uh, there are a few things that we need. One of them is prison reform. No yes. nonviolent person should ever spend a moment in prison. There are so many other ways they can repay a debt to society and putting them, putting especially very young people in prison destroys their lives. We cannot afford to do yeah. that to a single additional human being of any color in the United States of America. There are so many right. things we, you and I need to get together and talk about this stuff because there are so many things yeah. we can do to make things better for the next generation and we're not doing them yet. But we do need right. to do them. And our inspiration, frankly, is Dr. King. Dr. King is right yeah. there with us. Um, if many people now, because he's been, been gone from the, from the earth for 50 years, many people now don't know Dr. King. I think one of the most important things everyone listening can do is to learn about Dr. King. Because I was mm – -hmm. I remember vividly when he was teaching, and I remember when the, the day that he was killed. And I think there is, has been nobody in American history in the 20th century who even touches how important that man is, even today. And he, is our, he, he can lead us into this, the, the, the renaissance of American living that we really have got to come up with. But you and I, got to, I think what we'll do is let's, do, let's plan to do this again because we're coming sort sure. of near the end of our time. And, and we'll, we'll make that actually all about what the next steps are because the past is the yeah. past. We can't change the past, but we certainly, certainly can make the future wonderful. And now that we know that there is no difference at all, except what, yeah. what culture has, has done, we can fix that. That's fixable. And it's yeah. very important to me that we try because um, I, I can't look at any, a child of any color without thinking we've got to fix and make this a better world for their generation than it ever was for ours. Yeah. 
Don't you agree? Yeah, Don't you right. think we need to do this? So we'll we'll figure out. I, I agree. I agree totally because I, uh, you know, I raised my children to know who they were were as uh, black young ladies and black and black men, but I never taught them to look at anybody any differently. And my daughter was a cheerleader. She would come home with all these white children, you know, <laughs> and I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't yeah. have a problem with whoever they hung out with because I wanted them to know who they were so they wouldn't think that they had to try to be like somebody else. And that was important to me. You know, have all the white friends you want, it doesn't matter to me. But as long as I put in you who you are, that is what, yes. that's what's important to me. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, uh, and, and the only thing else I would like to say, uh, Roberta, is when I went, I was going into the prison uh, to counsel with these guys that were getting out within two years. And I was I was really helping them to make the transition out of prison and back to oh, society that's and wonderful. teaching them, you know. And so that was my main goal for being in there. Uh, they asked me to specifically work with those men on minute on the minimum yard that were going to be going home in about two years and just help prepare them to get back out there. So, and I got one guy became a pastor. He came to my church. Uh, after he got out and uh, and became a pastor, he's a pastor today, and that was many years ago. Oh, don't you feel good about that? That's great. Yeah, yes, I do, I do, and so that's what I that was my role in there to help change them, make sure they were they got the message before they got out. Well, there there is a lot more in your book that we haven't even been able to touch. I mean, you talk about diet in ways that are really very positive. You talk about the fact that reality is energy, which is a very profound fact. And I now I know where you got it. You got it from quantum mechanics and and um, this basically yes. you 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 and I have been on the same journey um, when when it comes to spiritual matters, and we've come to a very surprisingly mm -hmm. Similar place, but maybe not so surprising because yeah. there is one universal truth and you can come at it from many yeah. directions. But um, I'm so glad we did this. And um, I do. I recommend I that people <laughs> people read your book um, because it's very, I think, important, even if even if people who are, are not melanin enriched should should read how the world looks to a man who has done a lot of this research and who is really a very kind and loving human being and very sophisticated human being and does not, I think you show that you don't feel that necessarily people without the melanin will accept what you're saying in the same way, but I think they will because I think these are universal truths. And, and it's very important for us to hear those truths from as many different people as possible. So even if you've read my books, everyone, you might want to read my, my dear friend Dr. Kendra's book as well, because I think it gives you a lot of the same information from a slightly different direction. And he is on fire in this book. He's very intense about what he's saying, which I love as well. So... Uh, I, you, so is there anything else you want to tell people you want them to take away today? Uh, well, I think the main thing that I would like people to take away today is that even though I, I wrote this book for a specific group and that, because 
I believe I was birthed into a group for a reason, and because my group is the ones that fill the prison, the one the most uh, yes, the sickest oh, people yes. in the land, the sickest people in the land. That's why I speak uh, highly and, and uh, real favorable. I'm a vegan, and I speak. Uh, I don't try to make other people vegans, but I do speak well of health, and I want. I, and that's part of why we're so sick because of what we eat and those kind of that's things. Right. And so, that's right. Uh, but the diet that I speak about in this book uh, it can be uh, health and healing for anyone. Uh, but I wrote this to a specific person, uh, specific people with the intent of helping them to realize the truth because I was born as a black person for a reason. And I feel like if I'm in this group, but having so many problems, I feel like I should do something to help this You're group. You're trying to help you got, them, yes. You got to help yourself. Help yourself before you can help anybody else. Put on your oxygen mask first before you try to help somebody else with their oxygen mask. And so yeah. that's kind of where I'm coming from here. And uh, I just appreciate being on the program with you. And and uh, can I give them my, my website where they get this book? <laughs> Yeah, it's it, the website is really easy. It's your name. Yes, go ahead, say it. Yeah, uh, com. It's just kalemkinja.com. K A L E M, last name K E N G G A.com. And we'll put it in the notes too, everyone, so you'll have his website. Um, well, I, I think your website's beautifully done. Lots of wonderful pictures and, and ideas. It's great. So everyone, th- thank you. Consider yourself hugged, my dear. Again, we can't do it uh, in, for real because you're far away, but also because of COVID. But nevertheless, consider yourself hugged. Right. Okay, you do the same, Roberta. And thank you again for letting me be with you. Thank you for being here. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so glad you were with us. And please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And when you really get what that means, it changes everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guest will be our wonderful friend, Peter Wright, who will be with us for the ninth time, believe it or not. One of the great things about Peter Wright is that he helps people learn how to contact their spirit guides and get started on that relationship. He was with us in June to begin to talk about it. We ran out of time. So next week, we'll continue that wonderful discussion of how we can better work with our spirit guide. So please be sure to join us. And this week, we've been talking with the wonderful Dr. Kalem Kenja. Kalem is a theologian and longtime Christian minister and a bishop who has studied the spiritualities that were prevalent on the African continent before the slave trade brought this tragic diaspora out of Africa and into the West. To introduce his discoveries to what he calls people of color, but actually to all of us, he wrote Journey to Spiritual Freedom, Liberation from the Hidden Chains of European Christianity. And those chains are on people with light skin as much as they are on people with dark skin. I find his both book is really interesting, but it's also refreshing. And his work is freeing people from religious fears that resonates, of course, very much with me. The more we seek to understand all the different ways to which spirit, in which spirit is eternally, you know, reaching out to us, the more we come to understand that there's not just one way to come to God. There are many ways, and all of them resonate with each of us just a little bit differently. So 
what Dr. Kenja has to say may well be what resonates best with you. He is a wonderful man, bright, learned, very experienced in the ways of the world, as you can see. And he's working now ardently for everyone's spiritual freedom. My nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, Soon The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. And for children, there is, of course, The Fun of Meeting Jesus. And you can find all my books on Amazon, of course. You can order them through bookstores, and the adult books are available as audiobooks. If you want to talk about any of my books or anything at all, you can always contact me through the contact block it's green on robertagrimes.com make sure you give me your right email address because i'm careful to answer every email it could take a few days though nowadays i get quite a lot of them meanwhile everyone this has been seek reality with roberta grimes please enjoy please make the most of this coming week in our one reality knowing that you are a powerful eternal being and you in particular you most of all are infinitely loved You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.